Thank you for tuning in to the Walk in Truth Radio Network. Stay tuned for an encouraging word from Pastor, Teacher Dr. James Sutton. Let's see what Pastor Sutton has to say to us today. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, I just thank you today. I thank you for your word that we're about to study. I thank you for the love that you shed abroad in us. Jesus Christ in us, the hope of glory. Lord, you said that you'll be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So, Lord, as we study today, we expect to get enlightened and directed, corrected, uplifted, and to move forward in faith. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen. So, um, we want to, we're in Galatians uh, chapter 3, but we're going to go back to chapter 2, just the end part of chapter 2. And now, after Paul has validated himself as an apostle, we got that in chapter one and in parts of two, and then his confrontation with Peter and the Judaizers that were supposedly sent from James, even after he had the right hand of fellowship when Peter came to visit them in Antioch, Peter ate uh, some barbecue with them, some pork steaks, some some, some ribs, pork ribs, and 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 as he ate those things and enjoyed it uh he was fellowshipping with the galatian uh church which was a gentile church and they were a young church and as each church is different in the bible that paul writes to each church is uniquely fitted in a way that that makes it uh uh seem interesting uh, the corinthian church was a church that had a whole lot of gifts and a whole lot of powers and they misused it uh, they 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 took the liberty of all their powerful gifts and misused them, and then we have the Galatian church, which is a baby church. You know, these Galatians were very impressionable, and it's more like to me the American church, whereas American churches are gifted per se, but they always latch on to what's new. I sent you guys out a video today, and, and uh, some of you might have chance to look at it, but it talked about always wanting to have the experience. Always wanting to gain the experience, always wanting to have this, this, this outside the Bible experience with God, wanting to get the fireworks, and we call that being spiritual. And when you're in a church that 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 you're looking for that flash in the pan, you're looking for that fire, you're looking for that excitement, that orgasmic relationship with God. What ends up happening is. It's just like anything else, like a drug, because you might get it once, but then you just want it over and over and over again. But that's sensationalism. That's flesh. And you begin to confuse actual movements of God in your life, always chasing after the flash in the pan, the fireworks. So that's what the Galatians were doing in a way, because Paul it came and preached the gospel. You saved by grace. And I want to say something, and I'm going to talk about that tonight in tonight's Bible study. Um, God moves, the Holy Spirit moves throughout your life every day. It's never not working. It's never not doing. It's never not moving. And you are always responding to it. You don't have to usher it. You don't have to call on it. It is here. The person of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, the hope of glory that's inside of you is with you. Your problem is yielding to it. And quit chasing the extravagant and live in the mundane of your life. You always try to do something extra when you just need to live out your life. If you really look through the Bible, there's a small group from Genesis to Revelation of these supernatural, extraordinary miracles. But in Judges, we see just living out your life. We see they was in slavery for, for 400 years and God didn't even deal with them. They just had to live out their life and trusting that God would come and provide a savior for them. And we forget that because we get to the exciting part like, oh, we want to experience that, too. But see, the, the experience had a point. So you have to learn to trust God in the mundane before you could really experience the extravagant. That's your day to day life. All right. So. We're going to discuss that because the Galatians are that church, that young church. And, and, and when Peter came and was eating with them and then James and them came, the Judaizers came, some Judaizers came. They, they actually told Peter 
or Peter got up and left the Gentile table and went into the next room to eat with the Jewish Christians. OK. And what that does is, you know, make you feel some kind of way because everybody knew that Paul was a Jew. And he had bought the gospel to the Gentiles. And now you have Peter, who's an apostle, gets up and basically tells them, you're still not saved. You're still dirty. Even though Peter had that experience with uh, Cornelius. See, our minds are short lived. See, he had an extraordinary experience. But did that make a difference when it came down to the day to day rubber meet the road dealing with the Gentiles? No. Peter shrunk back. Peter compromised and went back to the Jewish table, making the Galatian Gentile church feel bad about not being Jews because the Judaizers had already come there and said, yeah, Paul talked a good thing. And it was about grace through faith. And Jesus died on the cross and all of that good stuff. But guess what? You need one more thing. Why is it so hard for us to understand we saved by grace and we don't need nothing else? Why is it? Why? Why are we always pursuing as if? Because of what we go through and we're not getting what we want, that there's something else that we need to get. And if we let people tell us that, that, oh, well, you know, all you need to do is do this and you will have this kind of life. Or all you need to do is do this and have that kind of life. And that's what they were telling them. You're not fully saved yet until you get circumcised. Like the Jews did. And then Paul confronted uh, Peter openly face to face and said, hold on. If you as a Jew came with us and lived as a Gentile. How can you compel the Gentiles to live like a Jew when we couldn't live as good Jews? They couldn't keep the law. Just like the rich young ruler, there's parts that they could keep, but they couldn't keep the whole law. And the Bible says if you can't keep all of it, you keep none of it. The law never was meant to save us. The law was meant to show us that we couldn't and condemn us. To drive us to God. The law was like a whip. <laughs> Who is that? The law was like a whip and it whipped us and it whipped them. But everybody still trying to live under the law always has a religion. The law becomes the religion versus the relationship under grace. So now what Paul is doing is now we're getting to go into the doctrinal doctrinal part of the Galatian experience. And remember, we're just like the Galatians. We're always looking for the flash in the pan. We're always looking for somebody to tell us something to do versus understanding that we're completing Christ. Go to Colossians, Frida. Go to Colossians 2 and 9 and 10. We're going to read this every day till I know it in the spirit that y'all got this. 2, 9 and 10. Colossians. Colossians 2. Speak, speak, speak loud. Yeah. <clears throat> Coming from the NASB. For in him, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Mm -hmm. And in him, you have been made complete. And he is the head over all rule and authority. Thank you. What did it say there? In him, Jesus Christ. The fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily. That means he can't, he, it's like a full cup. You can't pull no more into him. And then he said, in him, who's complete? We complete. See, that's what the Galatians were missing in their understanding is that you're complete in Christ. It has nothing to do with how you feel. It has nothing to do with the emotional state you're in or what you lack in the natural or what you have in the natural. It's based upon an eternal relationship that God has given us through the redemption that was afforded to us by the work he did on the cross. Yes. We're not justified by our work, but we're justified by his work. Amen. That's how we're justified. So when you read passages and people get this confused about grace, grace wouldn't be grace unless somebody else worked for it and gave it to you for free. Grace benefits you and grace. Somebody else did the work. It's Christ's work that gave us grace. It's Christ's work that gave us the grace to be saved. It's Christ's work that gave us the grace that through the faith in what he did that we could be saved. It's not free. It cost him his life. But he willingly gave his life. But see, they missed that. They missed it. And so do we because we want to do something religious. 
Some people say, give me some people give us ideas on what we should do to do what? The Bible says the Holy Spirit adds to the church. Well, we need to do this and we need to, and, that, and those things are fine. But what's the point of adding to the church when it's just bodies that's not growing and maturing in Christ? What's the point? Why we keep going back to dead works thinking that meant something when 90% of us in there, the church we used to go to is closed. Hello? <laughs> The church you used to count on is dead and they had a whole bunch of people in it. So obviously there was something missing. And see, that's what I'm saying. We get caught up in the fashion and the form of religion and miss God. The, the beauty of day to day. Like Karen, look at that picture I took. That was God. When I looked up and saw the, the sun coming through the trees in front of my house, I say, that's God. Regardless of my situation. That's God. The Bible tells us in Romans that we can see him in the creation if you take the time to quit being so religious and pursuing man versus the God who created everything, who's blessed forever. Amen. It's the simple things. And the Galatians have to be taught that they're saved by grace through faith. So this is the justification part. OK, Frida, that's enough introduction for now. We were on in verse 215 in verse 215 is the end of Paul's uh, confrontation with Peter. OK, it's the end of that confrontation. I call it the snoop gate. <laughs> it's the end of the snoop gate. OK, so here we go. Go ahead. Start at 216. Excuse me, coming from the NASB. by the works of the law, but through faith in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Since by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. Okay, so nobody is made righteous and justified by the works of the law. The law was our schoolmaster and revealed to us we were sinners. I'm going to say that again. The law revealed to us that we were transgressors of God's law, God's love, and God's likeness. We were sinners. And that the law was perfect because it was given by a perfect God. But we're not justified by law because the law was given to a particular people. The nation of Israel. In particular, it wasn't given to the Moabites. It wasn't given to the Egyptians. It wasn't given to the rest of the world. But the law was was there for the for the for the ones who the law was given to to understand that they needed something else. They needed to go back to what they were promised in the beginning, which was under the Abrahamic faith. That they would be given a deliverer, that they would be given a comforter, that they would be given the Holy Spirit. But they concentrate on the law and the law always showed them from the time Moses gave, gave it to them. Moses wasn't even up on the mountain a whole month yet. And they down there what? Worshiping idols. First law, have no other God before me. Gone. Demolished. Because men prefer darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Galatians chapter 2. Okay. So, so what we have to understand is the law from the get-go showed them when he got back down with it, he was upset because they already violated the first one, let alone the other nine. And there we there we have our problem. And the law, the, the, the wages of sin, the law says the wages of rebelling against God, transgressing against his law is what? Death. That law has can never be annulled. That's the consequences of violating the law. But God had a better plan. A plan to follow him by faith. But man had to be redeemed. 
So we were justified never in the law. We were condemned in the law. We're justified by faith. Well, you say, well, Pastor, you said we're justified by grace. The grace had to be given to you so the faith could be effectual. Everything you get from God, from Jesus, from God, you get from grace. Whatever favor you get, God's reward at Christ's expense. Remember that it is Christ's expense that was able to give you the faith in what he did to save you, to redeem you. Not only did he justify you, made you righteous. But through his blood, he purchased you. See, you could have been made righteous in a sense without being purchased. But what he had to do was make you righteous. And then he purchased you. All that happened at Calvary. And now you become his and he become yours. Christ in you, you in Christ, God, Christ in, in God, the father. We've all become one. And we're complete because God is not governed by time. We're governed by linear time. The only thing that's linear in our lives is our flesh. We had a birth date and an end date for this suit. OK, and it gets raggedier and raggedier every day. Don't matter how much we do, how much cosmetic or exercise we do, it gets raggedier and raggedier. So the essence of our relationship with God is, has to be by faith. Because we're forever decaying. That thing where our body's going to decay, Adam did that to us. So that part of God's word has never changed. Faith in God, Abraham. Now think about this. When the law was given... Moses came down from, the, from getting the law. The law was given to a nation, wasn't it? Yeah. A nation of people. They were already a nation. Free from Egypt, the law was given to the nation. But the Abrahamic covenant was given to who? One man. Abraham. Who would be a nation. The law was congregational. But the relationship with God, God gave that directly to Abraham. And he rewarded Abraham because of his faith. His first move of faith is when he got up and left his pagan nation and trusted God, not knowing where God was going to send him. But he had faith in God. Did he do it perfectly? Of course not. But where there's no law, guess what? There's no transgression. So we see him taking a lot, but he didn't violate anything because there was no law. Okay. But he trusted God enough to move in the direction that he told him. That's why faith is an action word. Faith always requires an action that validates the faith. Faith without works is what? Dead. We are saved under good works, but we're not saved by the work. All right. These are concepts that are foreign to us. As much as I say this, I know that it's foreign to you because you'll say it, but you won't live it. And you say, well, Pastor, how do I live it? You'll be at peace. Because if I understand I'm completing God, what I got to worry about? Exactly nothing. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor no powers, no things present, nor things can come can separate me from what? The love of God. Through the grace of God, I get the peace of God. Through the grace of God, I get the love of God. Through the grace of God, I can tolerate anything. But I got to believe. My thoughts form my beliefs. My beliefs form my actions. So my beliefs form how I, my beliefs, my faith forms out my actions. And my actions determine how well I live an abundant life right here. What's important? So the Galatians are in a situation where as they're being challenged right at the core. The, the people that came and gave us the gospel, Paul, even Barnabas, great Barnabas who introduced Paul to them. God was ashamed and went back and started being a Judaizer. And it confused the Galatians. I can imagine how confusing that was to them because Paul told them they complete. And then you got somebody come along who's of authority and telling them. No, you need to do one more thing. You need to do one more thing. And the one more thing is going to cause you a whole bunch of pain. It's physical. It's not spiritual. It's physical. I want, we, you have to get the sign that we got. The Jews got. You got to become a Jew by the sign of circumcising the man. And see, once you start heading down that religious road, it never stops. 
That was just the beginning. If he got them to be circumcised, guess what? The rest of it is downhill. Because that's the painful part. And if you will do the painful part, you can handle the controlling part. Have you ever been in church where you started with one thing, controlling? And I got I saw that thing with you, uh, Sister Frieda. We're going to discuss that tonight. Whereas, it's like, you do this, okay, that's not enough. Now you got to do this. Oh, well, you know, there's a little bit more to do. You got to do this. And all this is put under an umbrella of your relationship with God. But normally that's put in the relationship of you need to follow me as a man or a woman who's telling you to do these things. Even though you may find out later the person who told you to do those things ain't doing it themselves. They ain't doing half of what you're doing. You're doing, oh, you're doing everything they say and they're doing what they want. That's the dilemma of the Galatians we're in. If they would have, if Paul had jumped in there and defended them and, and, and tell the, is teaching this to them, send a letter back to them saying, look, you were saved by grace. Faith in Christ Jesus. You know, he rebuked Peter. He rebuked Barnabas. He rebuked them. He fought for the faith. We're supposed to contend for the faith. Even amongst our own brothers and sisters. See, these ain't outsiders. They're sheeps in wolves' clothing, but they're inside. You see, it's Christ and religion. Christ don't need religion. <laughs> Christ need obedience. Christ need, need love. Christ, Christ wants you to follow him because he's been good to you. The goodness of God should lead us to repentance, Romans 2 and 4. Changed mind, renewed mind, new creature. These are thought processes. These are not religious processes. But man wants to always run another man. We always want to be in control. But freedom comes with responsibility. Religion doesn't. Religion always puts the responsibility on the person who gives you the religion to do. And you look for guidance from them. But what freedom in Christ does, it's up to you. I have one job to tell you the truth in the word of God. I don't have any other job than that. I can't tell you where to buy a house. I can't tell you who to date. I can't tell you how to raise your kids. All I can do is give you the truth of the word because it's the gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation. Not my opinion on what you should do. And any opinion I have ranks last and stinks compared to what God says about what you're going through. Okay. All right, free to pick up. Verse 17. But if while seeking to be justified in Christ, we ourselves have also been found sinners, is Christ then a minister of sin? So if we're seeking to be justified by the law, is Christ, a is Christ found to be a sinner? If, if you're seeking to be justified by the law and Christ gave the law, are we, are we now sinners? Is Christ now a sinner? Because we can't? And he gave it to us? No. Go ahead. May it never be. <coughs> For if I rebuild what I have once destroyed, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So now what he's saying is, I am dead to the law. The law has no more dominion over me. It has no more power over me because I had to die to that. And if I rebuild what I have died to, it's like a dog returning to his vomit. We are so sentimental in America that we're trying to rebuild old church paradigm. And old church paradigm has been exploded and gone. If you don't know, it's dead. Now, there's a remnant, but they're going to die out too. Because God works within cultures. He doesn't care nothing about, he ain't scared. You think God is scared of the internet? Like y'all scared of the internet? You think God is scared of what nuance comes down the line? No, he still works even though. He said the world's going to get worse and worse and worse, and it's on schedule. So why do we keep trying to do something that God said in the Bible? No, no, no more revivals. No more this. I have a remnant of those who believe by faith. They are my body. They are the church. 
and they are my ambassadors on earth and the earth still gonna get worse. No matter how many ambassadors I got, it's gonna get worse because the ambassador's job is to keep preaching the gospel and awaken those through the gospel who are meant to be saved. Jew, Gentile, whatever. That's all our job is. It's not to build hospitals and recreation centers and all that stuff and that stuff is good. But that's not our mission. Can that be something we do? Yes, but let's not conclude, let's not uh, uh the secondary thing with the primary thing. What is it to gain the whole world and miss out on God? We can do all those things, cake bakes and fish fries and, and things to do, but if we're not doing those things to bring people to Christ, we're just doing something. So what I give you a gas card? If I don't give you a gas card in the gospel, I've wasted your time and spent my money. You don't want to say the gospel because the gospel, the real gospel, tells a person they're a sinner and going to hell, and you got and you want them to feel that thing. You want you want them to feel the way to hell so they can get saved. But you want to tell them about how God gonna bless them and they ain't even saved yet. God ain't gonna bless them. God go they gonna send themselves to hell because you scared to go there. You scared to put the weight on them. Let me tell you something. When the weight of hell is put on you, you're going to want it off of you. <laughs> I, I'm a witness to that. When that weight came on me and God let me realize, I was like, I don't want no parts of that. I was talking to somebody yesterday and we were talking about those who've been in church a long time. They're still doing this teeter-totter one foot in, one foot out. And they think they're fooling people. You're not fooling nobody. You self-deceived. You got baptized at 13 and you still ain't saved. Because you keep playing. And you think God don't, you think the thing that God says is not true. You know how I know, Karen, let me tell you, I can tell you a person, a person I know and a person like that. Internet exposes you better than anything could. God was good when God let the internet come to life. Because, see, what you post is who you are. Now, watch this. Frida, see, because I'm, I'm I'm raising my niece, so she gonna get she gonna be spoiled by the time she get to IA, she gonna have it, she gonna have it in spades. Watch this. Have you ever noticed somebody who always posting the positive stuff that's in the Bible, but never post the corrective stuff? Think about it. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. All the positive stuff, but what about the stuff that says? No adult or fornicator will see the kingdom of heaven. You'll never see that posted. You might see it by me, but you'll never see that posted on a regular basis, do you? You don't want to face that, but see, you can't have one without the other. God wants to bless you, but he wants to bless you through his risen son who died for your sins. And if you don't accept, you don't want to post the fact that it says you're condemned already in John. By what you don't believe. Your lack of unbelief condemns you. Oh, well, I post the fact that we're anointed and appointed by God and God got a blessing. Uh, I'm not saying don't post it, but I'm saying balance it out. You can't appreciate the grace of God till you appreciate the wrath of God, which is still is holy too. You got to realize that that day on the cross was judgment day for, for the world. See, if you think the judgment day is yet to come, that was the first judgment day. Because if Christ went on the cross that day, God would have been on time and he would have poured the wrath out on the world. That's why Christ was always on time. See, y'all y'all think of Christ being on time. He's on time. He's going to save me. He's gonna... No, 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 no. It's that, but that's so superficial. The timetable I'm looking at, he got on that cross at the, it says at the right time Jesus died for us. If something would have delayed him, a toenail falling down, the Romans, the Jews, the Gentiles, the people screaming, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him, and if he would have said, you know what, I ain't going. God would have poured his wrath out on the world. But he was committed. He was committed, accountable, and responsible. And he, had to, he got the benefits, the advantages, and the reward, which is us. And we ain't much reward, are we? But, but that's what he wanted. 
See, that's, see that, when my mind think about God, I'm like, man, I could never. And so what I was saying to you is we was talking to somebody, I was teaching them yesterday, and we were talking about how we came to Christ late in life, you know, 40-something up. And we look at people being in church, and it's like, and playing that game, we're like, how do y'all do that? How do you play? Because see, God said either you on my side or you ain't. You don't get to straddle the fence. If you for me or against me, I don't care how long you've been in church. That's why I tell you no respect of persons. So we, so we had the Galatians like in the middle. The, the Judaizers are trying to put them in a position where they are on the wrong side of the equation. That's why it has to be by grace through faith. Because any other way puts you in the wrong position, puts you under the penalty, and puts you under the power of religion. That is so an interesting concept that if I go to religion, I'm under a different power. And under grace, even though when I don't feel it, I trust that God is there. Think about it. All right, Frida, go ahead. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Think about it. In the life we live now, we live by what? Faith, not in anything, in one person. Faith in who? The Son of God. You need to read that to yourself in the morning. The life I woke up this morning, hallelujah God, thank you Jesus, and the life I'm going to live today, I live for God in Christ Jesus. Today. He ain't nothing about tomorrow. It's today I live. Because tomorrow will take care of itself. And I can't go backwards. So if God has woke me up in today, I need to live in the newness of the life of today. Mm-hmm. See, he's trying to teach the Galatians. Don't pay no attention to them. Don't pay no attention to them. Me and Karen went to one of them. Yeah, man, go ahead. Who loved me and gave himself up for me. Loved you and gave himself up for you. There's no greater love than this that one man should give his life for his friends. Go ahead. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. So if righteousness could be obtained through obeying the law, rich, rich young ruler, then what was the need for Jesus to die? All we had to do was get everybody religious. Do this, do that. Do this, do that. But see, the law is about you doing. The grace is about God doing it and done. The law never stops until it runs up against grace. And at that point, it stops. But if you never accept the grace through the death of Christ Jesus, you got to live on the law. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. Think about this. America is, is an example of religion gone wild. Think about this. As much liberty as we have in America to so-called choose, that's air quotes, the so-called choose, why do we have more people locked up than anybody in the world? We have a nation of people locked up. If you took everybody locked up, you could form a nation. We're the only place in the world that has any. We got more people locked up than China, Russia, all of them combined together. And But we're the most free. We have more laws than anybody in the world on the books. We got federal law. We got state law. We got uh, a local county law. We got city law. We got municipality law. And man can't stop doing wrong because man can't because he prefers darkness rather than light because his deeds are evil. The law, if you got a stop sign, it's because you're going to go through it when you get to a corner and not look both ways. If there's no stop sign there, there's no transgression of law, but you may kill somebody because somebody may be crossing. So you got to put a stop sign there and even with the stop sign there, you're going to run it. So I got to put a policeman there to watch you to make sure you don't go through the stop sign that you see. Because by nature, we are sinners. We're transgressors. Okay? So the life we live today is in Christ. Not the, not the death, but the resurrected Christ. It's the death that saved us. It's the resurrection we live in. I'm going to say that again. It's the death that saved us and all that it had. But it's after the cross, post-cross, where we live. Because he's not on the cross no more. He defeated death. Death has been defeated. The penalty and the power of sin has been defeated. The devil has been defeated. 
and that work is finished. Salvation work is finished. It's ongoing in, in the sense of our linear life of sanctification. But your sanctification is just you becoming like Christ. That's all sanctification is. And where you fall short, that work that he did, where you fall short, that work that he did on the cross covers you grace. So wherever you fall short. So your decisions are important because your decisions, God says that he chastises those he loves. So if you can continue in sin and not worry about it and pretend to come to church and act like you all right, you might not be saved. He leaving you like a bastard. You ain't got, you ain't got no problem sinning? Really? You know, but that's, you know, that's the reality. But the Galatians are babies, so we got to realize when we're dealing with the baby saints, just like the Galatians, they need teaching, not preaching. The problem with the church is we got too much preaching that's not based on good teaching. You want to shout, you want to sing, you want to say amen, and your teaching, your preaching is lack because you haven't studied, you haven't learned the word of God, you don't put things together. It's all emotional. I don't care if you never say amen. I'd rather you not say amen, be scratching your head when you leave. I wish everybody would scratch all the hair out their head when they leave here. Like, I really understand what he's talking about. Amen. I want you to think. You're not, you're not supposed to not think. Don't go to a church where they tell you to leave your mind outside. Don't do that. I don't care any kind of fashion. Don't, don't go to no church to tell you to leave your brains in your car. And get caught up in the spirit. Yeah, you're going to be caught up in the spirit, all right, but it ain't going to be Jesus. Because why would he renew your mind and then want you to leave your mind? See, I ask questions like that with people. And they, of course, Karen, no, they look at me like I'm crazy. But I'm like, the Bible says he's renewing your mind. Why would you tell me to leave my mind? Or oh, it's carnal. Man, go sit down somewhere, for real. You're not going to get me to let you put your hands on me and push me down and tell me that's Jesus. That's flesh. Sitting there wondering, hey, Karen, wondering, is it time for me to get up yet? <laughs> me and Karen witnessed that. Up close and personal. Looking down. You still on the ground? Is it? Oh, I guess I get on up. And we would crack it up because if it's really God, God would not embarrass you and make make some make you look stupid like that. Mm-hmm. But people will. Think how much control that person who did that to that person has over that person. I done pushed you down. You've been on the ground for ten minutes, and you and you wondering should you get up? And that's God. That ain't God. And see, that's what I'm saying. When you start following religion, if, if, if the Judaizers to the Galatians would have got away with that, they were on their road back to paganism. Okay? Religion will lead you into that. I don't care how many Christian words they use. All right? Go ahead. Chapter three. There we go. We get right, right where I want to be. So Paul is, te- is teaching us now about uh, justification by faith. So this is doctrinal. This is the teaching side of this letter. All right, go ahead. You foolish Galatians. So he got on the Jews. He got on Peter and him. Paul said, you go, now it's your turn, my beloved church. Because remember, the greeting wasn't as flowery for the Galatians as it was for the rest of the Bible. You can read the, go back and read the greetings. But you got, you got Paul saying, look, you foolish Galatians. Go ahead. Who has bewitched you? Go ahead. Who has bewitched you? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? He said, look. Didn't I tell you and teach you and didn't you know by the spirit that we talked about Christ and him crucified? See, that's when Paul says, I know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul is saying, didn't I preach the crucifixion, the death, burial, and resurrection that saves you? Didn't I teach you that even though you weren't present, you, you, you know of it, you've heard of it, I preached the gospel to you? Didn't I do this? The answer is yes. Go ahead. This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Now I got to ask you some questions about your, your salvation. Go ahead. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Stop. First questions to y'all. Did you receive the spirit, the Holy Spirit that comes through salvation by obeying a religion, a law, a practice? Or did you hear, did you receive it by faith? 
So you received it by faith. Huh? So you didn't receive it when you get in the baptismal pool? No, you're supposed to already have it. So he asked the Galatians, give me that question again. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Hearing with faith. I received the spirit of God by the hearing of the gospel of God. I accepted it by the faith that God has granted me. Because faith is one of the, the benefits of being saved. Faith in Jesus. Go ahead. Are you so foolish? Having begun by the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? So now that takes us back to Colossians 9, 2, 9 and 10. Have you, are you so stupid? Let's just say these ain't saying. You can call them spooky. You know, you've been bewitched and now are you stupid? Are you under spell and are you that dense? That since you've begun by the spirit, the Holy Spirit, and was being perfected by the sanctification process of the Holy Spirit, are you now being tricked into getting circumcised, which is an act of the law, by the flesh? So are you done, or are you saved and sanctified by the Spirit? Or does a ritual activity event perfect you? No, we are perfected in Christ Jesus by faith, by the Spirit of God. So he's asking them this. And see, think about this. This is a letter that's going to be read to them, so they got to respond. Whether it's one-on-one, one-on-ten, one-on-two-hundred, they got to give an answer to Paul. Paul is asking the question. That's two questions he asked you about, are you in the faith? He's examining them. The Bible says examine yourself. Paul, ask these questions to yourself when you start feeling some kind of way about what you don't have, materially, based on what you ask God to give you. Go ahead. Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? So then, does he who provides you with the spirit and works miracles among you do it by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? See, what he's saying is, y'all didn't see the miracles. You got to remember, Paul is an apostle. He has apostle gifts. He said, do you think that these miracles that I do are done by the Mosaic law or is it done by faith? Did you see, are you suffering so much from the people who have ostracized you? cast you out, put you away, even in your own families, and you just seen the miracles where they didn't feed you, but God fed you. They kicked you out, but God put you in. You never missed a meal. You never missed this. Your things are going well for you. I've done these miracles. You've seen the raising of the dead. You've seen the healing of your sick. Do you think this was done by the Mosaic law? Or by the hearing of, by faith? Those who hear by faith. Okay, go ahead. Even so, Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Stop. Abraham believed God and we believe God. He was justified. Righteousness and justified are synonymous. So Abraham believed God. See, one on one. He, he heard from God. He believed God and he trusted God and he moved under God. No movement. His, he wouldn't have been encountered as righteousness. If, the, if there was no movement by Abraham to move away, to do something, to move forward, then it wouldn't have been accounted as righteousness because that would have shown that he didn't trust God. A lot of times, what happens with us is, is clear instructions by God and his words on how we should move in love, but, but we don't move. We wait for somebody else to do it. And then what ends up happening, those who move in love, you wear them out. Because they're doing the work that we all should be doing. Nobody should get overworked in this ministry. Including me. Okay. Thank God y'all got, got one that don't care nothing about being what I am with y'all. Because you're not going to wear me out. My, my who I am to Christ Jesus is not built upon me being in this pastor seat. Me being in Christ Jesus as a son of God has something to do with me obeying him. And at this point in present time, I'm doing what he told me to do. But don't think he won't tell me to do something else. I'm open. <laughs> Until such time, we good. But don't think that I'm caught up in this because I'm not. I'm caught up in God. And we all should be caught up in God. Some signs are temporary. And some signs are up until you die. Some, some assignments are, but this, you know, you just never know. You just got to keep living abundantly, okay? 
So, okay, it's all in Christ. Go ahead. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. So now we go back to Genesis, and we're not going to go there today, but you go read the story of Abraham, you got the sons that are the ones of, of blood, and then you got the sons of the one of faith. But God always talked to Abraham, not necessarily about the seeds of the blood, but the seeds that will come of faith, the children that will come of faith. The promise was given by faith, in faith, to Abraham, that there's going to be a seed that will redeem the whole world. That through all the nations, Abraham's seed, not plural, will bless the nation, which is Jesus. See, all them in-betweens was to get to Jesus, the one who will bless the whole world. David couldn't do it. None of the, think about it, none of the natural born bloodline seeds, they were only temporary, just like the law. But faith is not temporary. Faith is eternal. Okay, go ahead. The scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, mm -hmm. saying, all the nations will be blessed in you. So then, those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. So, stop right there. What verse are we on? We are going to start 10. Okay. So, we are all blessed in Abraham because Abraham believed. All the nations are blessed not by his blood, but by his faith. And if you have the faith of Abraham to trust God, which means trust in Jesus, which means being filled by the spirit of the salvation that Jesus asked, then you are the faith son and daughter of Abraham. Because Paul going to say, all that are bloodline Jews are not Jews. Or let's put it this way. All that claim to be Israel, sons and daughters of God, are not Israel. Israel, or the true Israel, is the children of faith, which we are, which Gentile or Jew can be. We don't rely on what's running through our veins and our heritage. We rely on the faith of Abraham. See, we jump over the law to get to Abraham. We realize the law condemns because we watch them being condemned all through time in the Bible where they couldn't follow the law. So why would we want that on ourselves? Why would we want the yoke of bondage of the law on us? When God gave us a better, perfect way, a more excellent way through his son, Jesus, who was God. So God gave us direct revelation. Paul got a revelation that by grace through faith, not by the law. And who better to preach the opposite of law than a lawyer, which was Paul. He was better equipped to, to show that he was a, a, a Pharisee amongst Pharisees. He was far above his peers. He was the Perry Mason of his day. But when he had that road of Damascus experience, Jesus showed him a more perfect way, a way that he thought that he could attain through law, but he fell short. When it says, he said, when I, when I found out the law said, do not covet, I became condemned and I died. Because the law never was meant to make us holy. It was never meant to save us. So those are the things we have to think about. Were you brought to Christ by coming to church, participating in religious activity, and doing all those things, spinning around, jumping around, running around, paying your tithes, all that stuff. Did you come to Christ? Do you believe that you saved because you did all those things? And don't answer that question because you might think that. It's okay. But now you know a different way. Repent of your sins and believe that Jesus died for your sins and he is faithful. He said if we, if we admit our sins, he is faithful to forgive us. See, that word faith is always in there. I mean, we don't empirically know that we're forgiven, but we believe because what would be the point of him dying if it wasn't, couldn't be forgiven? He, that's what we mean. He died in vain if this is not true. Our worship is in vain if it's not true. And our lives become in vain for those of us who are in church like the Galatians and we allow our religious activity, we wear it as a badge of honor as to our relationship with God. Should we worship together? Yes. The Bible commands us that we should not forsake the assembly as of the saints. Should we do kind things? We're saved under good works. But all of that doesn't make any difference if we don't understand that all this was given to us by the finished work of the cross and that we live in Christ Jesus, Christ in us, the hope of glory. That's that's make that's the important part. If you get the first part right, the rest of it will come. Because you'll stop dropping religion activity. You'll do them. 
but there won't be no weight in them. Let's put it that way. It's fellowship. It's order. Every church needs order. So we do religious activities for order. But we don't do, you know, I don't go to God and say, look, God, look at how many people showed up at church today. Aren't we blessed? Or look how well Sister sang. Or look how well, I don't, I don't go to God with that. I ask God, did, did we preach and teach from the, work, from the pulpit what the people needed so they can be sanctified in you and that you may be glorified in what we say? That's all I'm concerned about. Did I teach in a way that glorifies God? Forget about me. And as baby saints, we are always baby saints to a degree. But we have to get past this fact that we think we need some kind of religious activity, some kind of hands laid on us for us to be for us to be under God. We are complete. And as soon as you wrestle with that in your mind, you can drop all the pressure that you have through religion and the law and you can live free. But freedom comes with responsibility because now the question is what you're going to do with the freedom that you know that you have. Are you going to just sit on it? Are you going to develop it? Or are you going to grow? Let's pray. Oh, Grace Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the people. I thank you for this lesson. Well, continue to guide us as we go through the book of the Galatians and see ourselves just like them. We're no better than them. Sometimes we're worse than them because we're always pursuing what's new and we believe that it's more than just Christ and Christ alone. Christ and him crucified. We don't need to be, be no, there's no religious activity that would amount to what you work for. The religion, the faith, your sacrifice on the cross. Lord, continue to watch over us and keep us and bless us as we go out in this world. It's in Jesus' name, I pray until the next time we see each other. Lord, continue to watch over us. Amen? Amen. Thank you for listening. We worship at the Universal Church of Jesus Christ Building, located at 2301 Wallace Avenue, Overland, Missouri 63114. Times of worship, 8.30 on Sunday, Bible study 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. on Tuesday. All are welcome and thank you for considering us as your place of worship. If you do not have a place of worship, please consider Walk in Truth Christian Fellowship Church your home. We are safe place to worship, supporting the edification of the body with all of its gifts. Sound biblical teaching is at the center of our worship as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Sharing the fruit of the Spirit and moving forward in faith through serving our community is our privilege and pleasure. Please feel free to contact the ministry at 636-344-0539 or email us at witminyahoo.com. Thank you for your consideration, be blessed, encouraged, and walk in the truth of the Lord.